On today's episode, we've got someone who's become a giant in the game of nonverbal research, behavioral science, and building up a large education company on the back of being one of the world's top poker coaches for over a decade. Blake Eastman, who runs nonverbalgroup.com, is our guest, and I'm excited to jump in and find out what his one thing is today. Welcome to the UpCoach Podcast for modern coaches and creators with your host, Todd Herman. In 20 minutes or less, our goal is to share one big idea that will transform your coaching and your business. So let's get into today's episode. Mr. Blake Eastman, welcome to the UpCoach Podcast. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. So nonverbal group, you've got some really innovative things that you're doing now inside of your world. Because when we met, you were doing a lot more coaching around the world of poker and poker players. Mm -hmm. I'd love it if you could just kind of give everyone a quick little synopsis on who you are and now what your business has evolved into. Yeah. So long story short, name is Blake Eastman. All my companies and everything I founded have really been around human behavior and understanding it at a deeper level. So I was a psychology professor for six years at City University of New York, and then started two companies, School of Cards and the Nonverbal Group. So the Nonverbal Group is a behavioral research company that does large-scale studies on human behavior and helps people around the real nuanced aspect of social skills. So really complicated body language analysis and things like that. Yeah. And then I'm known for the largest study ever conducted on poker players, a project called Beyond Tells, which was something that allowed me to coach the world's best poker players and teach them mechanisms for breaking down and reading the behavior of other poker players. Yeah. And that's just spin in a bunch of different directions. Uh, my coaching experiences range from CEOs, executives, teams, and I was kind of, I, I guess, coming up as a coach was one of those people that would just do everything and like change the offer and sculpt. Like I've gotten my hands dirty in so many different ways over the years that if I would go back and like coach myself, I'd be like, focus. But it's given me a perspective that I think is definitely unique on both the industry and the pragmatic aspect of like what coaching looks like in this modern society. Yeah. Well, the thing I like about your career is because I know that people in the world of, say, coaching or training or mentoring, advising, expertise world or whatever, sometimes they get this very myopic view of coaching is, oh, I've got a skill set and I'm going to start coaching other people. But the reality is in the grand scope of the world that's out there, you've got people like you that are, you come in from an academic world as well. And then that ends up becoming the unique difference maker for maybe your value that's out there because you started really kind of building up your authority on the back of doing these research studies. Yeah. Which has given you a very different kind of, I guess, gravitas in the world that uh, you operate in. Before we jump into the one thing that, you know, the podcast is all about, how challenging was it for you? Because you've got this phenomenal career now and bank of different businesses. How challenging was it for you to make the jump from being niched into the world of poker to kind of expanding up into behavioral science and nonverbal, which is what the nonverbal group is all about. It actually wasn't hard at all. Two things. One, I actually don't like talking about the poker 
with executives and stuff. Like I like to keep that out of my story, but they love it. Yeah, I would think so. I think you're being silly. <laughs> I know. I, I've had to come to grasp with that. It's just, I view them as separate, but they're very overlapped skill sets. And the truth is, I learned so much from coaching poker players at scale that I wouldn't be able to do the things that I'm doing now without all the technology and methodologies and everything that we develop for poker players. Yeah. So I really don't think the whole jump is is that hard at all. Um, I think it's something that gets in a lot of people's heads about, oh, I coach this kind of person, but I can't coach that kind of person. And the reality is like, to some extent, there's truth in that, but the transition's a lot easier than people think. And I mean, the good thing is I started, actually started an nonverbal group at the same time that I started the poker stuff. I just ended up transitioning and really dialing in on the poker community, but I was still doing a little bit of nonverbal here or there. And now I'm pretty much like 90% nonverbal, 10% poker. Yeah. So gang, to listeners, this is exactly why you want to like work hard at your craft because the more that you work hard at your craft, you get to get around smarter, better people. So Blake and I have known each other for a long time. We're basically neighbors in New York City. Literally neighbors. And I lived in the same building as you. Yeah, literally across the street from my family's apartment. We could look right into his office and you can tell that he's an extremely smart guy. And so he'd be walking the streets of New York or I'd be walking the streets of New York and we'd be having 35, 45 minute long conversations. Most likely, which ends up happening with people that are in New York, you end up getting to the destination that you were walking to and you stand outside for another 20 minutes <laughs> on a phone call. Yeah, and chat. Yeah, yeah. Very common. So I'll let everyone else do more homework on you because you do, you've got some really cool, fascinating stuff at nonverbalgroup.com. But I want to get into this kind of one thing because I'll be fascinated because again, prep everyone, he did not tell me what his one thing was, but just based on who he's worked with, I'm really curious to know what's the one thing that made a really big impact on your ability to get clients results or produce better relationships with clients, whatever it is. Yeah. So first it's a mindset shift and then it's tactics and application of that. So I think the biggest shift came for me when I started to see that I'm responsible to my clients, not only on the 45 minute call or the 30 minute check-in, but in their life between those moments. And I feel like a lot of coaches are like, they get on the call, they drop some amazing insight and they're like, see you later, right? And then it's that good dopamine hit of the person has an insight, but they're just showing up the same way over and over and over again. And what happened is I started dealing with some people that were very busy and I was like, Hey, we have an hour a week. And they're like, no, we have, I'll give you 15 minutes a week. Yes. And I was like, what? And it's like, when you deal with like really high level people, like they manage their time at that level, which allows you to have to be creative. It's a forcing function. It is. That's what I look for. I look for these amazing forcing functions and you're exactly right. It forces you to innovate. Yeah. And so what started happening is I was like, okay, so I want to be responsible to these people outside of it, which allowed us to leverage technology. Yes. So the first big tech thing that I built was something called SkinnerBot. This is years ago. It was a behavioral-based reinforcement tool that would text message the client at various intervals throughout the day and have them do the assignments that I was talking on the call with feedback. Mm. So that allowed me a pulse of like actually making sure that they were doing the behaviors. But the big shift came with COVID. So now like... It's, it's a rule. So anybody that I work with, I get their Zoom meetings. <laughs> so I get to see actually how they're showing up and actually how they're interacting. And I develop software and techniques for seeing what's going on. So like what I would say to anybody out there, no matter what you're doing, it's how do you extend the life 
of that call, extend the enthusiasm, extend the insights into actually day-to-day things. And I'm saying going way beyond like every morning, make sure you do this or way beyond routines and way behind all that. And to do this, you often have to get very creative about what works for that person's life in this given time constraint or in this given perspective. Because not everybody's going to do that. Not everybody's going to like, oh, let's design your perfect routine and you're going to do it. Like some people are going to just, they're not going to do it. Yeah. And there's so much tools and so much technology that is just at our fingertips right now that I think like for a better lack of word, I, I think a lot of coaches become lazy with their framework, right? Like they just do the same thing. And it's like, no, you got to figure out like, how do you produce results? We all know like, you know, you come up with a methodology and like a four-part framework or seven phases and blah, blah, blah. And the reality is like, not everybody fits into the freaking seven phase thing that you came up with. And not every culture is the same and not every person is the same. And you want to have structure, but I think part of the aspect of being like a world-class coach or like, let's say top 0.01% is to be able to read the dynamic and quickly adapt your framework and do what's going to work for them. And I don't think people are willing to do that. So like, that's what gets me excited. I'm like, oh, this person's a little bit tough. Like they're doing this, this, like, all right, how am I going to break through to them? And my coaching style from person to person looks so different. It's comical. Like some people I'm like, I'm like, let's go like yelling at some people. It's a softer approach. So the ability to be dynamic outside of your rigid framework is what allows you to get to the top, in my opinion. Well, and you had said something and what popped into my head when you were talking about that rigidity that people have around their framework or their phases or their structure or whatever is one of the mindsets for me is I want to constantly hunt for conflict, mm. which is not what a lot of coaches are good at. I talk about in a kind of our up coach world with all the people that are on the platform that you know coaching is really about three things, encouragement, accountability, and progress. And I think for the most part, coaches are naturally very good at encouraging, you know, the cheerleading side of things. The progress side is a little nuanced because progress can be hidden. It can be at the intellectual level. Very true. So people ask better questions. Maybe they're not getting the result yet, but there is some sort of transformation that's happening, you know, intellectually or emotionally for someone. But accountability, that's where a lot of coaches break down. And it's because they're such relational people, they over-index on wanting to be liked by clientele. Oh, yeah. And so when I say hunting for conflict, I mean that if I'm talking to a client and I notice that they've mentally opted out and they're like, not a freaking chance am I doing that, Herman, or whatever they're going to say, I'll be like, listen, because this is this goes to now your expertise as well around look knowing body language, like mm-hmm. knowing facial cues of people, because I've, I've gotten all that training as well. And I'll probably have to ping you afterwards to see if I can get some more from you. But I think of it as when I see something, say something. You know, it's in every yep. subway in New York City. See something, say something. So if I see something on a client, I'm going to say it because I want to hunt for the conflict. Conflict means friction, which means that there's a choke point in the pathway of us getting that person to a result. And I don't, I don't care if they use my framework. Right. Right. I talk about it with the alter ego method. Like, listen, like the alter ego method is about how you build an identity. Whether you end up having the alter ego as your inspiration or not, this is just a great framework for how you build an identity. But do I think every human being on the planet has to have an alter ego? No, it's a tool. Such a good point. And also like that does not just extend to coaching. So like a life 
principle of mine and one that I teach is if you see something, say something. So with your husband, with your wife, with your friends, with your all that, like if something bothers you or something, most people just don't speak up enough and then they harbor these resentments and stuff like that. But yeah, like sometimes coaching is like confronting. Oh, and that's another thing I do. Another tip for all the coaches out there. So one of the things I could never stand and I saw this in myself in my early days where I would tell people to do things that I'm not doing and I would hate it. So this happens. I run my own business and sometimes I'm coaching someone and I'm like, listen, I'll be honest, I could up-level this also. So here's what we're going to do. We're both going to be accountable. So I, I make the person, I say, I'm going to send you one process a week and you're going to send me one. And then you lead by example. Yeah. And then it's a forcing function for you to get stuff done too. It's like just a great paradigm. Well, that gets to some of the challenges of the the world that we do operate in as a market where there's a lot of people who posture themselves as being like, listen, I am completely done. I am perfect. I'm on this monument right, right. You know, plateau. Right. Yeah. yeah, I've made it. And everyone come to my my huge events and see me. And you can still put on those huge events. I'm not poo-pooing that by any stretch of imagination because I have some big events. But it's the way that you invite people into that world and to your points, like, listen, there's different ways that we can all hit our health and wellness goals. Here is out of all of this like recipe thing, this is mine, but you can do these things over here too. Do you need to have a cold bath every single morning? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because here's what I know, the people that are at a certain level of wealth right now, you know what they didn't do day one when they started their startup or their business? They didn't have a cold bath that day. They didn't have a cold plunge. They didn't have a cold shower. It's an interesting thing. And and just on that point of like the people that think they have arrived, if you're a coach who's coaching people on their regular and you're not accountable to at least two other coaches, there's a problem. So that's kind of one of my red flags. I'm like, oh, so who's your coach? <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, I don't have one. So how did you come to that realization for yourself? So I came to that realization from somebody asking me a question of like, if you had to give your 21-year-old self-advice, what would it be? And I really thought about it hard. And I was like, get coaches in your life because it's been like the biggest impact for you. And also, I just started seeing how effective it is to outsource some of the accountability to other people. And I'm like, I want that. So there, there's times like I always have two, but there's times where it's been six coaches. Like, and you know, I've got like, mindset I got, or I want to learn something. So I just get, I just like, like to hire coaches and it allows you to expand your craft and it makes you accountable to somebody and stuff's going to come up and that you won't have answers to. And you need people around you that you could have the discourse with. Yeah. See, but it's such a hallmark of people who are, I, I'm not really a big fan of the word successful. My dad always used the word useful, like be useful. Good distinction. And just like any tool that's out there, I mean, I grew up on a farm and ranch, the more useful the tool, the more valuable it's going to be and more people. Are. So, but I've found that the people that have been the most useful in their markets or whatever, they really dig into accountability way different. They have a very different attitude around accountability. Whereas other people, I've seen them think that it's some sort of terrible crutch or indictment on their own identity or personality because I don't need accountability. You don't need to like, it's like, you know that this is literally what the top people will do is they have a different relation. They know that it's a forcing function. They know it's something that sharpens them up. So not shocking with all of your successes that you index towards coaching and having mentors or advisors around you. But I had to, the honest to God truth is that that's something I learned through failure. 
<laughs> yeah. So at first I was like, you know, when I'm younger, when you're 20, and that's the problem is like, I got this, I had this weird path where like at 24, I was coaching the who's who's of finances in New York. And the reason why is because I had a chip on my shoulder. They would say something to me. I was like, who are you talking to? Right. And they loved it. Mm. Yeah. So I like to say that it was part of my method, but it wasn't. I just didn't want to report to anybody. I didn't want to be. And there was just a period where if I just would have listened to some people, I would have been in such a different place right now. If I would have had those accountability structures, I think everybody in life needs it. That's why when people also talk about like, oh, like the coaching industry, I'm like, listen, anybody in the coaching industry, you're in a really weird bubble. The world would be a lot better if there's more effective coaches out there. Like if everybody had a coach, life would be incredible, right? It's something that is important. Well, and that's the space that I'm trying to fill here is not, we're not talking about how to build the multi-million dollar coaching business. I mean, there's enough other people out there telling people how to do that. And, and the reality is the more and more you talk to like the people who've hit those different numbers in whatever combination of coaching, training, education, or, or book, or whatever the modularity of it all is, we need to build skills. And so that's what we're trying to do here is just help people like, what's the one mindset thing for you? And in this case, you're, you're talking about the mindset of, and I love that. The, the word that I like about the way that you had talked about that one thing was, we're extending, like, how can I extend this, the value of this call, the enthusiasm that the client might have, extend it through and beyond this little container of the 15, 20 minute type thing that we just did. In poker, I used to do crazy stuff, man. So in like high level tournaments, I used to get people to walk up to the person and say like, Blake said, maintain your focus. <laughs> They would just laugh. And I'm like, I'm always watching, buddy. Like yeah. just little things like that. But it really works for people. There is an observer effect where if you know you're being watched, if you know you're being attentive, if you know you're accountable, it changes the energy. It changes the dynamic. Like it just works. I am dying laughing on inside because you're the first other coach or anything that I've ever heard has done the same thing that I used to do with, well still do with athletes, but I just coach way less athletes nowadays, but I did the same thing because I'm, I would typically, I would never travel with my players, right? but I would have someone go up to them and say, Hey, Todd said, I love it. Remember your three things. And they don't know what the three things are, but Todd said, yeah. remember your three things. <laughs> and the response that I would get from people later is like, dude, you're everywhere. Yeah. That's what you want. Uh-huh. Like, is there anywhere that you're not? And I'm like, that's the message I want you to get is no, I'm always watching. I have so many stories of like people being at a dinner and showing it on Instagram. And then I call the restaurant and send out a cake with like, you should be leaving in the next five minutes. We have a big game tomorrow. And on the cake, it's like, you should be leaving in five minutes. And they're like, it's like Blake. So I just, that's fun. It's cool. I just like it, you know, and, and it works and people know, listen, this is truth is when you really care, it's easy to do things like that. Totally. Like when you really care about someone's success and someone's outcome, it, it, it's not a chore. It's, it's fun and it's a way of extending yourself. Well, the thing I would map it back to as a framework, which is one of my favorite books, I think it's one of the most brilliant pieces of intellectual property that's been written in the last 30 years, which is the five love languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super simple, right? Does it categorize? No, but it's very useful as a way to think about your own relationships and what we do with our clientele is we actually do map their five love languages. It's a good idea. And so going back to like you getting someone else to tell that person, hey, Blake said, maintain your focus. That's actually mapping back to acts of service. 
because the acts of service one, that's because it's one of my love languages, how some people interpret it, not everybody, but how some people, that's how I interpret it is, Blake was thinking about me even when I wasn't in his presence. Right. Because most human beings can feel unseen. And to just know that Blake isn't at this poker tournament. Mm. And he wants so much for me to be successful that he sent someone else over here to remind me of an important skill or quality I'm trying to embrace more of. So that's why, you know, it's one of those little triggers or flicks that you can push, shove, whatever, but it makes a huge difference in that relationship with that client. So true. That is actually such a good book because it's like I've, out of all the things I've heard, you know, I'm very like my backgrounds in psychometrics and like test construction and stuff like that. So like Myers-Briggs and all these things, but like, I'm like, all right, well, like I, I get kind of pushed back a little, but the love language, it, it is the most referenced in a positive and direct way. Like now that you mentioned it over probably anything that I could think of. Yeah. Cause it's so helpful. It's just such an easier mechanism for describing like I'm a big touch person. Like, you know, like there's all different. It's so true. Well, it's not, there's, there's not 26 strengths. There's five. Right, right. Five. And it's mapped to one of the things that human beings need. We could dissect that book alone and its impact and stuff. Anyways, we are past my 20-minute marker. I could jam with you for hours. Likewise. So I'll have to get you back and do it some more. But Blake, you're a, a champ. Where can people go to learn more about you, find you on socials and all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, nonverbalgroup.com is the best place. And I'm Blake underscore Eastman on most of the social platforms. Blake Eastman, thanks for bringing some fire. Love the way that you show up in the world. Love the businesses and all the stuff that you've created as well. And I think it's a great marker to show other people what's possible in this space. Because I do know that you still very much carry yourself and would describe yourself as a coach to other people, even though you're a CEO of a right. sizable company that's out there doing big things. So I um, appreciate you taking the time to be with us and we'll talk soon. Thanks again, man. Thanks for listening to the UpCoach podcast with your host, Todd Herman. I hope you got a lot of value from today's episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. So you get notified when we drop our next episode every week. Just type in the UpCoach podcast in the search and click the subscribe button on your favorite listening platform. And a review, a little snar rating, wouldn't hurt. And finally, all the show notes, tips, links shared, and the transcript is over at upcoach.com slash podcast, where you can also get your free trial for our modern transformation platform specifically built for coaches and creators that care. The UpCoach podcast is produced by our friends at Ventures FM. Now that's all for this episode. We'll see you next time. And of course, keep on coaching.